Yo, it's the Art Podcast. This is Mike Lobezy. Dirty South Joe and Jaber are here. This is a tacked on intro that I'm adding at the last minute because Excel kind of just hopped in and we got right rolling into the conversation without a proper introduction, which he definitely deserves. So our guest this episode is Philly's own DJ XL. He moved out to LA about a decade ago, continues to represent the Philly style of DJing worldwide, and it's a great episode, so enjoy it. Knowledge me of it. shit. I just realized something when you said the word algorithm. Yeah. Who invented the internet? Oh, shit. <laughs> Ooh, this is a fucking hot take. Dude, that's a mind-blow meme thing, too. You could make a meme out of this. Right? Like hits blunt. Uh-huh. Al Gore you, you think that's where, where it came from? Why do we, we, Were we, we saying never... algorithm before the internet? Yeah, it's a mathematical term, right? Uh, yeah, I guess. Mm. I wish you guys could see there was the like... fucking darts I'm fucking <laughs> shooting at Mike over here ruining my Because there was uh, logarithms. Remember them? And like that's when you take a shit, like <laughs> shit right? A logarithm. In, in rhythm to, yeah. to whatever song's playing. <laughs> when when not. Uh, when the when the ploops hit the water and the on the beach, that's a logarithm. You know what today was not? It was not a lovely day. Kind of an ugly gray ass day here. Oh in the city yeah, of no, I um, I I went out and I was driving into the city. Yeah, and you couldn't see the skyscrapers with all the clouds. They were super low and foggy. Boo. Yeah. It's always sunny, in my ass. Yeah. So this, this was the real fall. No, right I, I texted people. I was like, "Short season, it's done. It's officially over." Oh yeah. Thumbs down emoji to follow. Because I think it's done. I mean, it's going to be like seventies, maybe. You can do it if you want. Right. But it, as a necessity, I think it's done. I think yesterday was the. How last much longer time. is Kyle going to do it? <laughs> He never stops. He never stops, right? Three sixty-five. He shovels snow and shorts. In basketball shorts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Or cargo shorts. What if they invent cargo basketball shorts for Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> this is a great song, though, huh? Fucking with. You want to know what's like never not funny? <laughs> You're cracking up. Me too. Were you? Did you just not have no, your headphones on? No, he didn't have headphones on. Oh, yeah. Let's see if it works again. You want to know what's never not funny? <laughs> you, know what was, you know what was funny, though? Whoa, stop, stop, stop. Was uh, watching Jabert's face while he listened to Bet You Didn't Know for the first time. Uh-huh. Like, you can only... You yeah, I mean that's reaction video. A reaction video to to someone hearing <laughs> that amazing song. That might be my new favorite. It's pretty inspirational. Conceptual rap song, right? Right there. You know about that song, Dave? Yeah, we're just doing warm ups. <laughs> <We're doing laughs> if anything's good, we keep it. If not, me 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 me. Uh, what song are we talking about? E forty. Bet you didn't know. I had to get really familiar with a lot of the West Coast stuff when I moved, mm. and uh, there was a lot of stuff that I was not familiar with. Well, this is track right. 23 on his latest Jesus. album, or something like that. It's hiding. It's I, just this uh, little ditty. 
just giving people instructions. Yeah, I don't know if and, I know uh, that one off the top. Little 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 facts, little tidbits. But I, you probably don't know it, and it's, yeah. it's, it's, you're not expected to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a couple of joints that I found recently that I've been playing that work well, but I don't know if that's one of them. No, <laughs> play it for. <laughs> them. Oh, please play it now. This is definitely not one of them. <laughs> Maybe it should be. So, and the night with this chumpy. Bet you didn't know in California okay. you can vote if you ain't on parole no more. Bet you didn't know if you got a drop of African blood, you black. Didn't know. You can bring it's your like a Snapple fax. It's just house. like a, li- a song to play in the school. You know what I mean? For little kids. Just, you know. When they say that rap is like bad and, you know, you don't learn anything from it, that. Word. There's been a lot of stuff that I've learned. Sorry, I have to cut you no, off. No, There's no, been no. a lot of stuff that I've learned from rap lyrics throughout the years that I only know from rap oh, lyrics. Oh, yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, All of the stuff from Roscoe's Nature of the Threat. Right. <laughs> that was a big one. Yeah. yeah. Beer version what, so what songs did you uh, learn things from coming up? So I just had this discussion, which is so odd that we're having this discussion now, but do you remember... J. Rue mental stamina when he gives like the the scientific code for nitroglycerin or something. <laughs> <laughs> My mind C three H five and three oh nine like nitroglycerin. Like I would never remember. Oh, that. and that's the elements or something. It's like the, the elements element? okay, or whatever. Yeah, but like. Yeah. If that ever came up in the test, you I would, would only remember that, that because right. it's stuck in my head. Right. Pretty much all of my teenage years, everything in my mind is like music lyrics. And right. I don't remember anything I learned in school. I don't know if there's going to be that same relationship with the younger generation and the music now. Yeah. Right? But there's definitely a connection that all of us have because we're all relatively around the same age and familiar with similar music. Where right. There's things that just stick in your head. Same thing like you said as well. When I pass a fat burger, mm. two in the morning, got the fat burger. Right, and right. All, and right. that's immediate, yeah. you know? Or um, if I'm driving like Crenshaw Slauson, the sun uh-huh. went down when yeah. it hit Slauson. And it's yeah, just immediately totally. just plays in your head. Kind of mm. like movie uh, lines when you hear something and it's like relative to a line of a movie or something like right. that. So the E40 thing is amazing because I really, he wasn't relevant for us at least i know for me like growing up and that wasn't west coast music that made it this far no sprinkle me that was the only e40 song you know what mine was at the time like when they played it and not like you know radioactive i was telling and um radioactive for philly was like our stretch and bobito show you know and we had um, some really good radio here yeah yeah jay ski 102 hip-hop review but um at one night, like late, they played the Click Hurricane. Oh man, yeah, I love and, the Click. And I taped that, and I listen to it all the oh, time. Yeah, yeah. Hurricane, yeah. but you can call me Slurricane. Yeah. And I was like, this is great. Yeah. And that made it through because yeah. I was taping yeah. that one time at two yep. thirty a.m. or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, I like this, you yeah. know. But that was it. Yeah. You know, it's crazy to see the West Coast records that made it to the east coast that we liked because at that point pre-internet they might as well have been in china yeah i'm saying that was a world apart right so being on the west coast and coming from an east coast uh upbringing when Mm -hmm. i talk to people out there that grew up out there we both bug out about how everything was different fashion music 
just the elements of the environment that we grew up in. Right. So for me, like Souls, Souls of Mischief and all them were amazing because yeah. they were so much kind of like East Coast with the way right. they dressed. They embodied that yeah. style. And Same that was one alcohol. of my first. Also, Hieroglyph. The whole that, crew, right? That was one of my first concerts that I ever went to when they performed here. In oh, Florida. really? Yeah, I won tickets off of WPRB. The Princeton Station. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And that was one of the first shows that I went to. And then as far as like the West Coast, like some of the Ice Cube stuff was incredible. Right, that was huge. But when you look deeper into it, Bomb Squad did a lot of the production. It was the East Coast thing. So, yeah, Ice Cube was was kind of I was extremely hesitant to accept, embrace, and admire the chronic when it came out. Really? Oh, it took a while before I would just actually just put down my, my East Coast like garlic. Chronic, I don't really remember it being a huge part of like the cassettes that I would keep with me. I uh-huh. was familiar. The big thing I do remember when I was in uh, high, high school, for some reason, there were two things. The Tupac thing, because mm-hmm. I really didn't get down with Pac back right. then. Because I same same thing. This is a West Coast dude. Mm. I don't fuck with him. I fuck with Biggie. Yeah. And the Bone Thugs and Harmony thing was that was big. interesting. I that I came around to that. See, I think I came around to a lot of stuff because my friends weren't as like hip hopped out as me. Right. So they would listen to it, and I'd be like, okay. Like, yeah, yeah. The Mac My album friends school. in school were yeah. totally divided. It was like I think Liquid Swords came out around mm. that time. So and you're course, like a couple. You just had a or you're having. Well, my birthday. birthday is the fifth, so I'll be forty. Right, I'm I graduated. I just turned forty two. Oh, happy birthday! Thanks. Yeah, yeah. in September twenty six. Yeah. So I graduated high school ninety seven and ninety four to ninety seven. I went to high school in, in in the Northeast. Okay. So we had kids from all over the right. place, but for whatever reason, I, I feel like most of the Northeast kids. That grew up, they really like Bone Thugs. Yeah, I don't know what was going on because when I moved to the Northeast from South Philly, I was like a space cadet. Like I was, I was. What year was that? that you we moved, moved in like ninety ninety one. Okay, but I came from South Philly, so mm. I was completely different to the kids that were in the Northeast. I spent right. the first few years like getting into fights and all that other shit. Uh-huh. I was just. Was I felt of- like when I moved up there, and and this is just a, an example that I can give you. I felt like I was super hood yeah and they were not right so we just did not and it's not like i was hood it was just right. that i grew up under different i was listening to different music i was already in the rap i was mm-hmm. dressing differently yeah they were wearing like eastland like docksiders uh-huh and i remember i was in like black and red adidas they look like the power phases but that's whatever they were back back then mm-hmm. and we were allowed to wear sneakers to school because i went to catholic school and everybody was giving me a hard, hard time about it. Oh yeah, I remember getting into a fight in the schoolyard with this kid. It was just, it was, it was weird. It was different. Yeah, and we eventually got it all worked out or whatever. But it's crazy how you know, twenty minutes up the road, right. it was Way different than what was you know going on in South Philly at the time. Yeah. I definitely uh, grew a, a, this appreciation for West Coast yeah. music. And fashion and all that other shit when I lived, you know, when I moved and had to live in it. And it just, I found a lot of stuff that I thought was dope, but maybe it was dope because of the environment that I was living in. Sure. Versus here. So, you know, I would never wear Chuck Taylors. I mean, I had a pair of Chucks when I was younger, but I burned through them and I never had them again. And Mm. we were always Jordans and Nikes and Mm. all that other shit. But, you know, the appreciation for the Chuck Taylor came back kind of when I moved and like Dickies. I would never, I never wore Dickies. I was 
car oh, like car yeah. car uh carhartt to the fullest uh-huh but then seeing all the Dickies out there, it just in the like, West Coast. And now, oddly enough, Dickies are big here. Dickies like, are yeah. big. Well, there was the Dickies sell, phase yeah. the when we suits. worked at Armand's, yeah. man. Yeah. They, the cell phone pocket Dickies. Right. You know, was when, that a phase, or, or was that just you and I? No, no, it was. It was. <laughs> That, that, just was the, that was the Market Street look, man. You get yeah. some dicky shants. The Market Street look. With the strings. Have you uh have you attended Market Street Fashion Week? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that shit is coming up soon. Yeah. I uh, I implore you. But uh, yeah, so with with the E forty stuff too, back cir- circling yeah. back to him, when I would play in the Bay or play um there's a lot of other cities that aren't San Francisco, like that bay, that yeah. relate to the bay. So you mm, would maybe Richmond. go to Portland. Oh, you mean, or, oh, okay. Like just around the West Coast right. that they Seattle just really that? rock yeah. off the bay. Mm-hmm. And then playing that stuff, there's a lot of dope music when you drop that it, it just works. It's, yeah. it's not what I thought it was when I was younger. Right. You know what I mean? And uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff I can't get down with, but at the same time, there's a group of records that I've found that yeah. I keep that I know that are the joints when I'm in the bay. Right. Play. Just and like there's like classic East like Coast records 10. that yeah, yeah. removed from that era, yeah. you're like, this yeah. ain't that yeah. great of a song. But I, you know, I kind of miss that too. Like now that the world is connected mm-hmm. to a certain degree where everyone knows the same shit, I'll go to China. They They like the same stuff we like here. I like the idea of there were regional records that you had to know where you had to reach out to the dude in that city and be right. like, yo, what do I need to have? Right. Because it was different being from Philly going to D, uh, D.C. to play. If you mm-hmm. didn't have go-go records or whatever was going on down there, yeah, it was going to be a rat. You know? I still think it's like that to some degree. Very little. Not, very but, little. But like, for instance, like um, I'm sure you're DJing and I'll... DJing in LA, so like you get like them YG records yeah. probably yeah, pop yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, we don't really need them here. No, big Bank's not. cool. It'll no one's gonna leave the dance floor, right? But if I don't play it, it's not a big deal. But you, you know? can figure that out. You can easily figure it out without having to do much. All right, right. Around, I know what right? you're saying. Like you can I just get on the computer yeah, and just be yeah. like Spotify. What's popping on the West? But there's Coast. like and there's like there's constantly like West Coast records that are kind of popping off around here you know like kind of regularly not just Tatiana maybe yeah I mean that was huge yeah you know, that was a huge club joint for a minute I mean even Big Bank was like pretty yeah big. it was it was it was popular yeah but like like I said I didn't yeah I just couldn't stand the way that first bass hit. It was so soft. Which record are we talking about? Uh, Big Bank. That oh, boom, yeah. my bitch drive all yeah. right. Like, it just comes in so, like, for a song yep. that's, like, bass-driven, that's yeah. a really soft kick. You know, the point. odd thing with a lot of those records is as big as I thought they were, they were really kind of bricks. Like, they worked right. for maybe 15 seconds, and then they just flattened out. Right. So the Blueface record, the same, yeah. until the Cardi B thing... Until yeah. her version even, came but out I feel like even it. her verse like goes a little long. Right, and I, yeah. I get right. out of it before any rapping. Now I'm just usually just like you know hook verse and I'm yeah. out. I don't even let his verse play. No, uh, it'll lose a room. Yeah, I mean in my experience for sure. Big Big Bank the same. There's a lot of verses, so mm. someone has to get cut. Right. I feel like people get bored of it. It doesn't just. It doesn't hold itself over right. for you to get two, three minutes. Let's listening. just be honest. R.I.P. Posse cuts. Yeah. Like, people don't. Yeah. Have, people oh, don't man, have, I feel like there no... was just a posse cut that I heard, though, that was awesome. That you listened to to the oh, end? Oh, the um, J. Cole project. Oh, Down oh, Bad. Yeah. 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 Going Bad. Yeah. Down Bad. Down, yeah. down, down, down. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah, just pretty one. hot. Yeah. Yeah. 
I but I don't like, play that in the club at no, all. No, definitely not. I <laughs> feel I like, like our uh, attention spans have gotten a lot shorter, too. Destroyed. So it's just like now, even us who weren't raised that way, we're get in, get out. We're kind of over it. What's what's the next thing? Yeah. And we definitely were not raised that way. I mean, we would at least let two verses of a record play before right. we got, you know, right. something else. We're not so. letting two verses play anymore, Mike. <laughs> I'm like, I that's always like a critical call for me. Yeah. Like if something's going, I'm like, do I let it go the second verse? Usually if I have to think about it, I should. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like oh. halfway through that second Which is verse. crazy. Yeah. Because at that point, there might even be a third verse in the record. And you're just like, yeah, this whole other, right. this whole two minutes of the song is. I've definitely yeah. heard some. Songs come on like the radio in the car. Like, or something. Oh, I never heard this. I've part. never heard yeah. this part. <laughs> I've heard this song one thousand times. That just happened to me too. And I forget what it was. Mike and I just played a set um, here outside. We did this block party this past. Oh weekend. yeah, I saw. The, it looked like it was really fun. Yeah, it was fun. It's like everybody we, played pretty much. Everyone played. How many <laughs> songs did you guys play? We played forty six songs songs in in, an hour. in, in our yeah. Yeah, hour. fire. Yeah, I I, I remember just self-volunteering myself to play the block parties on my parents' block. In South Philly? No, in Northeast oh, Philly. When yeah, Northeast yeah. Philly, like... So oh, when you were going to educate them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I was just like, you know, I'll come out and play, set up the system, uh-huh. and then, of course, you're getting raw bass and right. all those other records. And, uh, you know, there was so much excitement to play those records, you yeah. know? And whether people liked them or not, it was just... They still had a good move to it, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, was, it was still a fun song to play or whatever. So, so that's a good um good segue into the origin story yeah, of yeah, Excel. Yeah. What what how how did it all well, when did you first start DJing? So ninety one is when it really started for me. Okay. Like that's when we actually had two turntables and a mixer and started messing around. Was this, did that. you have like old heads or did you just figure everything out yourself? Yo, odd, oddly enough. This is also a story that I hear quite often from other people around my age. Mm-hmm. So um, I would mess with my parents' turntable, sure. you know, and mm-hmm. I found this sound of messing with the record just really intriguing. Mm-hmm. But when it came time to really put it together, we just started asking around. So we moved to the Northeast. I met some friends. They went, they went to Wilson, so they were all like the public school kids. Okay. But they, you know, they wrote graffiti. We were into rap, the mm-hmm. whole thing. So the idea to do this just became a thing, you know. And then we started to ask around. Somebody's older brother had a turn turntable. Yeah. Someone's parents had a turntable they weren't using. And then you come up with a mixer. Mm-hmm. Then you're pulling allowance money and you're taking a train. You're buying records. You're splitting mm-hmm. the records and you're just buying whatever you love, which is yeah, you know, Big L and you gang, remember the first one of the first vinyls you bought. Uh, the Rob Bass record was the record that got me started. That it was takes the, two. that was the first okay. Like, the joint that I just I had to have that. and just destroyed it and bought mm-hmm. it over and over and over okay. again. And then everything that was around that time. Like Late I found a mixtape from ninety four, uh-huh. which at that point I've only been spinning for three years, and there's records on there and I'm like, these are the records that, you know, that I you remember first like yeah. And at that point I didn't want to play nothing else but these records. Yeah. You know, so we would do all the little house parties. Just making the mixtape in the crib and dubbing the mixtape and selling the mixtapes was all I ever really sure. was like. That was the the top, you know? So how that happened was uh, when I graduated grade school or sixth grade or something like that, my parents gave me money to get a stereo system. I got mm. an amp and some speakers combined with uh, my um, 
Obi Wan and this oh, other shout homie out to Shan. Obi-Wan. Yeah, him and I started spinning together. That was like, you know, yeah, my my man. Armand's, him and I Armand's were the two. alumni. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, him and I would just go back and forth every day, you know. And and he's his dominant hand on the turntable was the right, mine was the left, and we would switch the turntable around because we only had one really good turntable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, and then we did all all these little parties, and and he just advanced to a level of that like DMC level. Yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. And as much as I loved cutting and scratching, I really liked playing parties. Mm-hmm. So eventually, you know, we uh, went in different directions. Yeah. He pursued DMC, and yeah. I did little battles, but I really just wanted to do the shit that I wound up doing. Right. So uh, come 97 is when I got my first set of turntables. So prior to that, Adam Baum, who mm-hmm. I met, uh, he was one of my first friends that I met when I went to high school in 94. Okay. Uh Adam was able to get turntables from his parents. So we would nice. go to Adam's house to record the mixtapes because mm-hmm. he had all the equipment. Big Gemini mixer with the sampler and yeah, all the other yeah, flash yeah. shit. But 97, uh, when I graduated, I had the choice to just take a bunch of money and get a car or everybody. Yeah, we got a pretty together. similar stories. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then I was just like, no, I, I want the turntables. Uh-huh. Like, this is what I really wanted. My entire family pitched together. I still have the receipt from our, our, uh, our Mons. Uh, and it was the two brand new techs, which are the only turntables I've ever owned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's... That's all you need. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're tanks. They'll yeah. outlive me for sure. And then I had a Scratch Master. Nice. Uh, which was like the mixer of the time. Or Not whatever the Blue Dog. No, I had this <laughs> Remember like... Remember the Blue Dog? Yeah, that, <laughs> dude. That was like the Fisher Price job. No, that no, was crazy. Let's just... No other product in history, though, seriously, has ever been no. as like... No. Long-lasting as Technics twelve hundred turntable. Yeah, yeah, they just made something so perfect, and then I mean like, that's uh, kind of why the it's whole almost their flaw demise of the <laughs> right. company happened because you they never didn't buy need to again. buy a new one, and yeah. there's the, there's tons of them floating around, right? Mm. So those turntables uh, were the only tables that I had at that point. Uh, I graduated. I went to college for like a year. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really want to go to college. I was just the oldest in my family and the first to go to college, and everybody was just kind of on my neck to do that. But right. there was nothing gotta, I gotta wanted go, to be. got to go to college. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so eventually I just dropped out. I only went to community college, and I was paying for it. Oh, so yeah, yeah. you know, I got to a point where I was just like, I'm cool. This is not what I want to do. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> around... Um, Around like ninety nine is when I started playing in the clubs downtown. Maybe like ninety eight or so. Okay. I went for an audition at um uh Babylon. Okay. So, yeah, I know I definitely remember Babylon. Yeah, yeah. But uh I was never in there. I was like I was pretty like either doing like going to raves or the underground hip hop joints. Yeah, that was yeah, like yeah. right. So there was another club called Paradise Alley. Oh, yeah, yeah, and That I was where the playing, pop-off shack yes. happened. So I started playing there first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I got wind of this other club that was having this audition for a residency. So I went down there. They had me bring my turn turntables. Went down there, set everything up. Just the just hunger. A, just an empty club there. I mean, it wasn't. It was hunger, but there. that's how you did it. Yeah. You know, there was no other way to do it. And they just had me play. Mm-hmm. Great. I mean, there was nobody in the club. It was just, just it was like three three p.m. Yeah. So I just was like just played for thirty forty minutes, uh-huh. 
And uh, wow. were they watching, like, or did they just go about they, their business? Everybody and, was going about their business, but I guess they were listening at the same time. Okay. It's not like they were standing in front of me. And then uh, they were like, "All right, cool, thanks." You know, and I got a call later, and I got the job, and that wound up being a gig that I that I had for a long time. And then from being at this that was at place, Babylon, yeah, okay. And then I, you know, at that point, one thing just turned to the next, turned to the next, turned to the next, and I started playing more around town. And uh, prior to that as well, I would go hunt Jay Ski down mm-hmm. when he would broadcast live from different places, and I would bring him a mixtape, and I put like a whole makeshift press yeah. kit together. Yeah. Because that's what I thought I was, you know, yeah. supposed to do. I remember and walking I, around Old City was, with like a resume, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah and a yeah, CD, yeah, yeah. just whatever you got to do. Yeah, so then like, you find out it's really like the you know, the like resume press kit thing I saw from Rich because I would go to Foot uh, okay. Footworks to buy records, and for whatever reason, Rich had one of his out, and I took a look at it, and that's yeah. big Rich Medina for yeah, those who yeah. may not know. So that that's where I got wind of what I was supposed to do. Now, at this point, I haven't done anything, so I have nothing to put on a resume, really. Right. You know? But this is um, this is still, like, in, like, late 90s, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and Train was there, and Train would yeah. help me dig through breaks and all this other stuff. So uh, eventually, from playing in these clubs, the radio uh, was like, why do we keep seeing you and you don't work for us? Like, you're uh-huh. playing all our parties, but you don't work for us. Okay. So the station, the radio yeah. station. Was so the pro that. program director was like, "I'm going to give you a call tomorrow." Jay Ski was there because I would, you know, I again I was with him, and uh, he gave me the co-sign, and then I wound up getting a little gig working on the radio, which was great. And this is pre Scratch Mechanics, right? Yeah. So that didn't really happen until like late 2000, and that happened because I approached Ski and was like, "Yo, why don't we have a little crew?" All these other cats, we grew up together. We were hanging out together, but there really was no crew in Philly at that time. Right. And it just, I felt like we all wanted the same things at one point, mm-hmm. and we had a network. Why don't we just put it together and market it that way? Yeah. You know? So for a while, it really worked because at that time, the DJ still had, um, you still had uh, credibility. Mm-hmm. Where if I couldn't play a gig, if I recommended someone, there would be no questioning if it was affiliated. They would just say, right. "Cool, you, you know, if you you mess with them, then right. we'll mess with them." And these days, that's not even a real. Oh yeah, I you mean, can't like, even you, let someone hop on. No. You know what I mean? Well, so odd, you know, odd, oddly enough, fast forward, like the first time I ever got kicked off of turntables was when I moved out to the West Coast, right, right, right. And a bunch of homies kept trying to get me on. Uh huh. And they would just put me on the turntables, and right. Um, you know, I wouldn't do anything no one else would right. do. Right, but just because somebody would turn and I wasn't yeah. the familiar mm-hmm. face, they'd be like, he has to go. Right. And saying, this dudes, is when you first moved out there. Yeah. So you, when you first moved out, I wondered about that. You didn't move out there with any gigs or anything. I did. I moved out there with a plan that fell through the moment I stepped off the plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I just was too stubborn to come come back home. Yeah. And I was like, I, I'm here now. Like, right. I need to make this work. So I just I, I just pushed it through, you know. But the first year, first three years, I really started from zero. Mm. Like, I didn't have anything, you know. And um, I would come back home. I'd work a weekend, make... Yeah, everyone does the move and yeah. then the comeback yeah. to, the, to where your connection's I mean, th- th- still th- there, yeah. there was no way. Right. Like, I would... I, I tanked my credit like I ruined everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I sold stuff that I owned. Like I had to do whatever I had to do to make it work. And if I wasn't coming home 
once a month to make some money, yeah. then I don't really know what I was going to do. Right, 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 right. So, you know, at that point, everyone I knew out there was helping. They were trying to help. But it's, it's, I mean, it's hard, you know? There's so many people that are locked in. I mean, it's just like DJing you show up here. it hard enough in the yeah. city you're from to yeah. make a living? Right. To right. go somewhere else and, like, right. kind of move in on someone else's territory is... And, you know, at, in, in, in 2009, it was a different time than it is now. Oh, you know? That's when it was, 2009? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I feel like you could probably do that a lot more easily and successfully now than you could have back then. Like yeah. to, to move somewhere and make I don't and know. If you've yeah. already got a reputation, you know, yeah. your reputation lives on the internet and it's just kind of like you're it's already really more of a... It's hard to say, man. You know? It, it, it also depends how you play ball, too. Mm-hmm. If you show up and you're super aggressive and you're trying to, like, muscle some food off of somebody's plate, yeah. they don't have to let you in. You got to be cool. You're on their turf now, you know? Right. So, you know, I, I did my thing and I was patient as patient as I possibly could could be and I really was not there to take work away from other people right I wanted to travel I didn't unless leave. they sucked well <laughs> I mean like you know when you get out there the the bar of the actual DJ is very different than what we're used to right so more times than not you walked in and you were like I can't believe this cat had yeah, a job could, this dude is this. terrible yeah you yeah, know yeah but we were raised. But you don't know I mean, we what were he totally has going spoiled, for man. Like yeah. we were raised with a bar that was incredibly high, right. and I tell this to a lot of people. Yeah, they're they're yeah. cats that you would never hear of mm-hmm. that were incredible at what they did. Sure, it was also different then. Like you just couldn't jump into the game. Not at you all. had to really be legit. Yeah, or you would not get a gig. Yeah, you know. So having all that, that's cool, but I also learned that there's a whole other side to this business that allows you to succeed, and it's relationships and, sure. you know, just a, a lot of it's out of your control, and it's up to the people that are around you and how they feel. Mm. So, you know, like, after I did my time and things kind of fell into place, I was able to get back into working and doing a thing, and there were people that saw me play that had an appreciation for what I was doing and I went out every day for a year and made as many friends and tried to get people as familiar with me as I possibly could and saw the lay of the land. But back to what I was saying is like, I didn't leave working five, six nights a week here to go work five, six nights a week there. Right. I just could have stayed here because I was doing fine. It's just that I wasn't traveling enough. You wanted to get around. Yeah. Well, I felt like I was doing all the magazines and radio and whatever you could possibly do. And I would travel a little bit, but people just kept overlooking. Like I just wasn't one of the fortunate ones to be able to say, I can live in Philadelphia and travel the right. world, you know? Which, for that time, a lot of us got to do that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, mean, I don't go anywhere now, but around then, I right. was constantly right. moving. I mean, yeah. there, there's a handful of people I know that are Philadelphia, you, you know, that's their home base, and they were fortunate enough to be able to just say, I'm staying here, and yeah. I can travel around the world and do what I want to do, and people are connected to what I'm doing. I just wasn't one of those people, Yeah, right? yeah. So I didn't want to... I felt like I didn't work all this way, you know, from 11 to 29 to Mm. this just be it. I just wasn't satisfied with it, you know. And I was playing clubs several times over here, and they're just, you know, I was like, I don't see this. Everything's lateral. Yeah, yeah. 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 So the move made, made sense, and I had a friend at the time who... You know, he gave me the layup. He was like, I got you. Just come, come on in. We fought with each other for a year. Because I, I, I didn't want to leave Philly. I was Scary. just as proud yeah. as everybody mm-hmm. else was from here. to Nah, this right. is home. Mm-hmm. 
but then I just I had no more excuses. You yeah. know, I had I had to go. I kept like giving these excuses, and and then I went. It wound up being one of the best things that I did, but it was the scariest thing yeah. I did because yeah. I felt for sure I was never going to see anybody again. And right. like. You know, I really didn't know what I was getting myself in into. And in that year, it was tough because I turned 30 and I was at probably one of the lowest points since I started spinning. And like my parents didn't get it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they kept pressing me to get a job, just work a retail job or just come back home. And I just I, I wasn't ready to throw in a towel yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then, thing. you know, eventually it, it got me to where I am now, which is great but now i'm at the same place where it's like okay now what more What's can next? i do right yeah. because now the game is forever changing and 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 the money is changing and everything is changing and there's so many more people playing and because of the technology there's plenty of people who are just good enough to get the job done sure so now what's the incentive what are you bringing to the table? Why right. are we going to bring you in versus bringing in the cat that we can bring in for a third of the money? Mm. You know, so then it, again, now it becomes a business and then like a marketing thing, and and outside of how I scratch or how I put records together, there's something else there. Yeah, well, it's been proven that uh, being on the Art Podcast extends your DJ life for at least another five years. So I'm this down will for that. All yeah. the things all are going down for that. Things all are going to take clout. off. It's going the, up from here. All the clout you need. Well, I mean, just like you know. With all of you sitting at this table, you've all had long careers in this game, and 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 there's never really a time where you're done. There's never really a time where you've peaked and you can just let the thing roll. You kind of right. constantly have to rework it over and yeah, over unless, and over unless and over your again. bank account is enough to hold you over till death, which that's I mean, not I, the you know, case. Yeah. You know, for me too is like I don't I don't want there to be anything else. Okay. You know, like I, I got to this point without having a plan B yeah. in in mind. I feel like if you're one foot in, one foot out, you're never really going to, you know, get to where you want to get to because you're always just like, ah, if it doesn't work, fuck it. I'll just go do this, yeah. you know. But as you get older, it definitely gets scarier because there's a lot more on the line. And then the longer you've done this, the longer you've been without an actual job. Like I haven't yeah. worked a job since 99. Right. So at that point, if I got to go back into the workforce, like the work world, and put a, a resume together, resume. Like, <laughs> I've, I, I've had to, I've had to do that actually, yeah. and it's it's weird, but it's uh, yeah. I mean, as long as you're just if you're just gonna do something to kind of like keep a little cash till you, yeah. your your gigs get back up, yeah. it's not a big deal. Right. But as far as like a career, yeah, yeah. like working yeah. into like the office you're right, with, right. with the resume, right? Like, oh, what did you do for the last twenty years? And, and you're you like making shit up, like. Uh, I was the production assistant of the tour of right. this shit. And, well, I mean, you when know, you I think about all the titles of guy, what you yeah, do running right, your own yeah. company, you it, have all these things. Yeah, yeah. It's just doing it's hard it the to way quantify. that we're doing it. It's yeah. like, how do I put this in the words on paper? Right. Because really, I've just been which, hanging out playing records which, and, you know, drinking for free. Which you, know you get I mean? doubly <laughs> screwed on because everything now is online. So you don't get to meet someone face-to-face and sell yourself. Right. You get like monster.com resume. Yeah, yeah. And you know what I mean? So it's strictly on yeah. paper yeah. where like, you know, that's not where my yeah. – I, I, I do better when I meet you. And I'm right. like, yo. Right. And then you see, I'm like – I'm a little weird, but I'm not. We're all you know, yeah, weird. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. competent. You know, I, yeah. I can form sentences. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, it's it's count it's, numbers out loud. It's Eat been really food. fun for sure, and I never imagined I would be able to make a career out of doing this. Yeah. And then looking back, being that I'm about to be 40, it's just like, God damn, man, where did all this time go? Right. And it's, you know, it's it's exciting and it's scary at the same time because you realize that there's really nothing keeping you on track. Mm-hmm. You're literally just floating through this week to week, month yeah. to month, year by year. And, and you know, you... As you've been. You pencil like in the dates through another month and you're like, okay, we got this month figured out. Now let's figure out the next. And you just keep doing that over and over again. And eventually the year is over. Right. And my, then it's like, fuck, I got to do this all over again. My girlfriend can't listen to this episode, by the way, guys. Why? Uh, she just started de- DJing the last couple of years, and she's always kind of trying to talk to me about, like, <laughs> trying to explain the framework of how this does work as a long, like, career. Nah, man. This, you got to want to do it. There's, thing there's is, no security. There's, there's no security. Nah, man. But that's what, that's what makes the payoff so great, you know? And, mm. and. Whether you were a painter, a photographer, like anything that is just an artistic field where you make money, you know what I mean? Like you give up this stability. But the other thing I did see. Yeah, to like wake up when you want to. Right. You the know? other thing I did notice though is that when I started doing this as a career, I kept noticing people that graduated, they went to college got out of college, had a huge debt, couldn't find a job in what they majored in. Right. Right? So they're selling furniture yeah. that I'm buying yeah. off of the money that I'm making off of playing in the club. Right. All throughout the time, I've constantly worked right. doing right. the thing that I love. Yeah. Even if it falls through at the end of this year, I've still gotten all this way you know, doing something that I loved and, and that I believed in versus doing something I thought was safe. Right. I've seen people take the safe road, get a job, you work five years, you get laid off because they want to, you know, you get fired because they don't want to pay you the next pay rate and bring somebody in. So there is no stability anywhere, even when you think you have stability, right? So at that point, it's like, I'd rather just do the shit that I love and take the good and the bad. And that's how I viewed it when I moved and I wasn't making any money. It was like, I accepted this for better, for worse, not because I knew I was going to make a ton of money. There's there's times you don't make any money, you yeah. know. There were there were times when I went out there, I had to open for people that I, you know, I should have never had mm. to open for. But you have to humble yourself at the same time and decide how bad do you want this to work out. Yeah. And uh, moving out there for sure was a humbling experience sure. because by the time you leave your hometown, you think you're the big dude, the big fish, right? You know, and 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 you show up and nah, man, no one gives a fuck about right. anything you've done. They don't care. They don't want you to rattle off all the shit that you've done. You're just another dude with a computer. Yeah. You know? Now, and when it, you were gigging those early gigs, um, having moved to the yeah. West Coast, like, I mean, you were, like, just murdering it, right? Like, people had to notice, like... I mean, I played the same way. So, yeah, like, I, I, I played... Well, I'm saying playing the same way that you would play being DJ XL from Philly. Like, yeah, I yeah, like, like playing, that, playing out that, there that would just change. make everybody like shit and, their pants. And like. there were people that noticed, but there were also people. Again, I was getting kicked off the turntables because sometimes that's a little matter. too aggressive or something. It too, just you didn't know? matter. Like mm-hmm. it's a different world out there. Right. You know, it, playing locally, going around the world and playing in the cities, and like that's when it's really something else. Mm-hmm. But I promise you, you can show up. You can murder it better than anyone you can think of but if you do not 
play the relationship game and yeah. like make sure that you see who you got to see and bond with the person you need to bond with. Mm. They don't give a fuck, man. I feel you like know? for our age too, it's all uncharted territory because we're like the first age group that's still DJing. Yeah. Like I feel like the guys older than us kind of. They they were too early maybe to catch the lifelong DJ wave, right? Well, like or they didn't adjust. I think we learned that you have to adjust. It changed really quick. Yeah, for real. Because I would have this discussion with some of my older heads and just try to get them on. Because I saw the frustration that they mm-hmm. had just using social media. Yeah, was completely different. Right. And it was foreign to them, you know? Like, when I went to the play playlist the first time, like, there were a lot of cats that are superstars to us yeah. that are frustrated because yeah. social media is not working in their favor. They don't understand how to work in it. And it's almost... It's it's heartbreaking because you're like, yo, we're all in the same boat. Mm-hmm. We're all trying to figure this shit out, you know? Yeah. And really what happened is that once the producer became the person spinning, mm-hmm. that's when everything kind of changed, right? Because the producer, no matter what level of skill they bring to the table, Still and whether, get the gig. whether they produce the music or not, there's a direct connection to a fan base, which yeah. changes the impact of the club. So now you become a hard a hard ticket sale mm-hmm. and the money changes on paper. You know, if well, I have Dirty South Joe come play... He has all these songs that people love. Whether he can play those records well or not, if he's there, we know we're going to make X more money than we were making, you know, without him. Yeah. He gets the gig over right. the guy that will come in there and play on four turntables all at once and murder. Like, yeah, that's all fine and good. But if we ain't making any more money, we don't need to spend any more money. Right. You know what I mean? So if you're not one of those people, you need to find a way to exist. In I feel like that's such worlds. a small number, too. Yeah. Yeah. So of people long? who really bring yeah. people out. Yeah. 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 But um, you can't be mad at them either because when they're looking at the business of the club, it's like, wow, no, no, we yeah, have plenty of local life, cats man. that yeah. can show up, whether controller, whether sync, whether whatever you're playing, mm-hmm. and get this job done for whatever price. Right. The moment I moved out of Philly, some of the clubs that I was working at at X amount of money started paying people half the amount of money. Right. There became a thing where people were just undercutting themselves just to get the gig. Yeah, but the problem is once you shoot the numbers so low, there's no reason to pay you anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, previous to that, it was we started making nothing. Like I remember playing at Limbo for Limbo. I don't know. That was twenty first and twenty first and yeah. South, like thirty forty bucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And yeah. then eventually you work your way up. Okay, you're going to get one hundred and fifty, right. and not at, not at Limbo, but like as you move around to right. different venues. Okay, well, you know, I've been playing here for a while. Everything's popping. You know, I'd like to make a little more. Okay, yeah. we got you with two, two fifty, right, three, right. three fifty, four, four fifty, and eventually you get to a point where you're like, all right, this is the ceiling here. You know, unless you're holding the door mm. or doing some shit where like you're really changing the numbers, right. they're really not going to pay you any more than that. Right, right. You know what I mean? And at that point, if you try to undercut to get the job then it's like how do you get more money because now all we're doing is chopping the money away right who's going to give me the best bargain you know yeah so that's when you know like and and on and and the other thing that changed like i said with the producer i feel like being the the disc jockey whether you put out mixes or not you just don't have the same connection with the people 
it's not like I've listened to these dudes' mixes for years. We need to rush to this club. Yeah. Where it's like, this is what the party is. If you love the mix, then come come see it live. Right. It's the producer that was able to make this connection. Yeah. And then they started playing playing music. Mm. So we just had to respect that the game changed. And it's it, I mean, it's it's all good. It was bound to change. It's just if you're not in that world, then you need to find a way to exist where you can show your worth. You yeah. Know what I, mean? I felt like um one of the things that I learned from, I, w- I don't know if I would even say it's a mistake, but just something that older DJs may not have thought about. Uh, um, what I noticed was like maybe some older DJs, they were into one genre or one style of hip hop and they were really like committed to that to the point yeah. where when the sounds changed, they were like, fuck that shit. Yeah. And then... Okay, okay, fuck that shit, but you don't have, there's no work for you now because no one wants to yeah. hear, like, you know, nobody beats the biz anymore. Know, you man. know what I mean? Well, like, like, that's I, not the yeah. jam now, you so know? I, you know but I, we all learn, like, okay, we got to adapt. Like, we're not going to be those dudes, you know? I saw that too, and it, it was hard for me to have these discussions with homies that yeah. are like, look, man, like, it's changing. You right. Know? Like, at the end of the day, but you're a DJ. So. But some of us are more open-minded. Naturally, right? yeah. And can play the other forms of music without feeling like you're they're selling you're, out. You're, right. You guys kind of collectively, uh, scratch, uh, scratch Mechanics, like, there was a there was a radio station, I want to say 04, 05, that, like, changed formats and went to this kind of pop heavy but hip hop format. Oh, you're talking about and Wired. Wired. Was wired. it Wired? Yeah. Like right when they opened, right when they started. Like, like they took on like 965 prior to was kind of like Ben FM, I think. Mm. I, I vaguely think. Oh, oh like rockish. Yeah, it was just kind of like 80s rock, like yeah, you know, indie kind of top Right. 40, whatever, moder- whatever modern but like rock. like yeah. yeah, yeah. But a couple of you guys from scratch so me like took over the um, station more or me less. Me and right? Jay Ski worked there. Right. Uh, I had a uh, reggaeton show on there. Oh, 2005. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was like it was it was like Q102 kind right. of. So it was like CHR, which is like a rhythmic. You're right. playing pop, top 40, and some hip hop that's not too aggressive. It's, right, it's, right, right. it's for them sub. It's for them yes. suburbs kids. We yes. went to high school. Yes, yeah. Yes, it's yes. the hip hop hip hop entry yeah. point. Yeah. Safe hop. Yeah. And for yeah. me, it was cool. I didn't mind playing uh, Pussycat Dolls or right, whatever, whatever. Right, right. But I was playing that stuff in the club. Sure. And for me, like I grew up listening to a bunch of different music anyway. Prior to right. hip hop, I listened to rock music because mm-hmm. I just didn't know there was anything else. So yeah. Poison and all the hair. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, on MTV. yeah. My dad was classic rock and soul. So mm-hmm. anything... 50s, 60s, 70s. South Philly guy? Yeah. Yeah. My mom was more Hall & Oates, Air Supply. Sure. Yeah. Very similar, yeah. Shout out to Air Supply. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh... And then I found Run DMC through a friend. I found Rob Bass through a party I went to in grade school. And then just once rap music kind of became relevant on MTV and then listening to the radio is how I just was like, no, this is where I want to be. This is my thing. Uh, but all that other music kind of still stayed in my life. Oh, yeah. And man. the thing that I really got enjoyment from was, like, entertaining people. 
yeah. playing music for exactly. people and, and you know yeah. it, it wasn't so much but like I said, in the 90s, when we were buying records, I only wanted to play something that Premier or Pete Rock produced. Right. That's just where I, I was tunnel visioned out. Yeah. But I saw that if I wanted to do any more, I needed to branch out. Mm. So it was never a moment where I had to look at myself in the mirror and decide if I was selling my soul to this shit. Right. But there were people and friends of mine that just, they didn't want no part of it. Yeah. They wanted no piece of it. And when you're making a career off of doing the shit that you love, like I have a friend who was doing the top 40 commercial, even sometimes would play shit that I wouldn't play. Yeah. And eventually he just got to a breaking point. It was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And he stepped away from that scene and just went into playing funk, soul, tribe, and all this other stuff and playing these little spots around his town and yeah. that region, like Virginia, North Carolina, where right. he was able to play what he wanted. He didn't have to take requests. He didn't have to play pit, 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 pit bull records. Mm-hmm. He was just playing the shit that he loved, and there was no turning back for him. Yeah, you know, for me, some people can carve that. Yeah, or, I yeah. mean, Rich Medina is going to be here next week. He's yeah. like, yeah. he's lived forever. Again, just like some of us have been fortunate man. enough right. that they've been able to just say, "I've made a lane, and I can survive in this lane." For me, well. even when I was getting like booked to do me, like doing me, still involved playing popular records. Yeah. Like I, yeah. like that was never like an exclusive. Th- I mean, I don't get me wrong. I went through my backpacker phase, and I was hated everything that wasn't fucking super underground for like a year. But yeah. it was a phase. Like looking back now, I'm like it was a phase. I liked yeah. it, and I also didn't really, genuinely to this day, don't really like a lot of late '90s commercial hip hop. I think the thing for me that became an effort was making sure I never lost the impression that I made in that world. Okay. Like, I didn't want to give it up. There was a moment where I was working a lot and I was playing a lot of commercial parties, but none of my friends were there. Right, you know? right, right. All the right, people right. I wanted to hang around, mm. all you guys, what you were doing, you were doing your own parties, right. but I couldn't be there because I was working on my right, own parties. Right, right, and right. then I felt a moment where I'm like, man, this is starting to feel like work, which yeah. it never should. And I felt like I wasn't being included to play any of the cool parties <laughs> that I really wanted to be at because I needed that for my soul yeah, to be able yeah, to go yeah, in. Yeah. So I said, look, I need to get this balance back. Because, again, it's not about just making money. It was about being a part of the culture. Yeah, yeah. Also, so I had to go... We all did this to kind of be a little cool. You know course, what I mean? Of course, <laughs> like, of course. Also, I mean, this, right, there, right, there cool. at the end, right there at the end of the 90s, though, there was like three years where the music that was coming from underground was awesome music. Yeah. And then it fell the fuck off by like 2000, 2001. Yeah. But... But like uh, 97, 98, 99, like the Rockets, like Fondalum era, yeah. like yeah, those yeah. are great records. And they weren't, they weren't in a box of just being, this is just for the backpackers. It was still street music. It was still like a little bit of this yeah. and that. And yeah. it was just. just yeah. Then it got music. too concentrated. Well, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so for, for a while, like being really into that stuff was just being like actually hip, not yeah. backwards, you know? Yeah. Well, even moving away from that stuff, when the Hollerboard became this huge community of people and there were records that existed solely in that world that worked. Mm -hmm. So if you just, I don't know what you want to call it, but let's just say the beginning of like hipster blog house culture. That was a new underground world where it was like, oh, you have to dig this shit out and find it. Mm -hmm. And then these parties were cool. Everybody was there that you wanted to be around. People still came to party. They weren't really asking to hear anything. They just wanted a good vibe. Yeah. 
And that was one of the first things that reminded me of what like underground hip hop was. It was like, if you know, you know, and if you don't, you don't. Right. right. It was like, so, we're coming to be put on to shit and right. as opposed to demanding right. that you play the shit we already yeah. like. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I, I was in Florida for Winter Music Conference and you, you guys were doing a party. Yeah. At some fucking spot, I don't even remember Shore where Club. I was. I feel like we were I always no at idea. the Shore Club or but, something. But you know, you guys were doing uh. all the holotronic shit. Yeah, everybody was vibing, and you guys were playing whatever you wanted to play. Yeah, you know, yeah. nobody was asking for shit. You were just putting on records, and it was a great scene. It was a great vibe, and like everything, Licks was there. And, and, oh, and, right, yeah, that was yeah. our common. Uh, Licks was the Scratch Mechanics right. MC right. and the holotronics yeah, yeah, yeah. MC. So I, you know, I thought what you guys were doing was really dope and then just being able to see that world and wanting to be a part of that world so when i would go play those parties it was just fun again and yeah. then being able to work some of those records back into where i was playing doing the commercial shit was great too right because it was starting to spill over a little yeah. especially yeah. when am started repping that shit you yeah. know like because yeah. he was in all that stuff too yeah. he was yeah. on the hardboard and all yeah that. you know and 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 back then also no one ever really told you what to play at that point it was like this is your night. You do what you want to do, and then you just have to take your taste and, and make sure that it fits what you're doing. Right. So for that, I thought it was really cool, and then it gave me a sense of of fun, you know, that I felt like I was missing when it just started to feel like work. And then at that point, I never looked back. I always made sure I kept myself balanced and played parties that I found that were just fun. And, right. And, and, and you still got your work joints. Yeah, yeah. I always did that too. Even yeah. like I'd do Holotronics and then do Five Spot Friday yeah. and Saturday yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. Take off to do my special party or my I would do Thursday. But I would do that. I did um, Eden Rock with Kenny Mees. Yeah. You know what I mean? These yeah. are all my early residencies where, yeah. yeah, no one gave a fuck who I was and I had to play what they want. But it would all spill over yeah. it. You, yeah. It all influences each other. You know, I mean, for for me, the commercial gigs paid enough money for me to be able to do the other gigs <laughs> and not yeah, have to worry man. about it, right? And, I, you know, I've tried to school younger homies and, and, and other friends of the same idea of keeping a balance, but some people get to a point where they just don't want to do that. They yeah. want to go into the world that they want to go into, whether it's deep house or dubstep or whatever mm -hmm. and leave that other that commercial side behind and i'm like yo if you want to be a working artist mm -hmm. like anyone director whoever you know actor everyone has to do some shit they might not genuinely want to do in order to keep the dream alive of what they do want to do right unless you're just one of the lucky few the like 1%, super fortunate yeah. yes the true one percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone else at some point yeah. you're probably gonna have to yeah. buckle. Yeah. Because but as like you said, as long as your mentality is yeah. I wanna make people have fun, yeah. if that's your primary yeah. like philosophy, then you yeah. you won't have a problem. Yeah. I'll play country shit if that's gonna make yeah. I don't ever have to. No, but I if I <laughs> but if I was like if I did yeah. a wedding once where they wanted to hear some country yeah. and it went off and I have had fun playing it. Yeah. And now that song has like a nice meaning to me instead right. of being like, what the fuck is right. this? If you can view it as not having to buckle, it's a lot easier pill to swallow. Right. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, I don't want this to end. I love doing what I do. I don't want it to end. So mm -hmm. let me just keep this shit going. You know what I mean? But yeah. First time I met you, I have a weird memories. Sometimes I can meet someone three times yeah. and not know, but I remember, um, it was at Silk City. Okay. Uh, you know Ralph Major Taylor. I do know Major Taylor. 
he asked you to do his, I think it was his Let's Get Butt Naked and Fuck party. At yeah. so, speaking of parties where we played yeah. for our friends. I just talked to him the other day, which is awesome, too. But what I do remember is that Major Taylor played in a band yeah. with my high school teacher. art teacher. That's the connection. So yeah. that's how uh-huh. I knew him. Right. Because they were doing, when First Fridays was really big in Philly, they were playing at Book book Bookbinders. Wow. So that's how I met him for the first time. Okay. No, I remember he was like, I'm having this guy spin with me. His name's XL. I was in a band with his teacher. Dude. So I always thought you were like way younger than me for when actually that guy was just older. Right. He was. But, yeah, he was <laughs> but I always thought you were like super young bull for like so long because of that. You know, I was, was to like, some, but not, yeah, not to yeah. you. And I, yeah. Because I mean, he, again, this is in the 90s that. He this was probably like 2001. Yeah, my yeah. art teacher he's talking about was like 95. You know okay, I mean? yeah, yeah. So that he could have been like 24, 25, yeah, right? Yeah. So like meeting Ralph again later on through the fact that I saw them play this uh, show. Yeah. And then spinning a party for him. And then, and then you and I met. And then Lick's working with you guys as mm-hmm. well as him working with us. And uh, yeah, I mean like... It, the, as big as the the scene seemed, it was very small once you kind of got in. It's well, that, that, and I, that's know. why Philly was so cool at that time because we all hung out at different scenes. Yeah. And yeah. that's what allowed something like uh, Holotronics to happen was right. like we would go to the Kenny Mees reggae night. We go to yeah. Brendan Soul Traveling Dude, night. We go to so Cosmo and Rich. Yeah, we spin in the commercial club. We go yeah. to Dave Peace. You know what I mean? And, and you like, go to Baltimore to pick up records. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah I and mean, we work at Armand's. You're right. Yeah. 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 I, I, I was, you know, some, some, sometimes you look back and you say, man, I wish I grew up in a different era. You know what I mean? Like, I wish I yeah. grew up in, the, you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah, Bron- Bronx, early 80s would be cool. But, like, <laughs> the fact that we were able to be here at the time that we were and have all the cool shit going on that yeah. we did totally crafted who we became. Definitely. And I don't know how you find that again. You know, you know, I always I mean? say like, the same thing. Like, I don't know how because we didn't have the Internet was there, but it didn't explode to what it is yet. So it was actually a tool that you kind of had to be up on to use. Yeah. So so like your aunt wasn't on social media, you know, like, well, like even even having the social media, you still had to be present. You still had to be there. To mm-hmm. get the experience, you know what I mean. Like you can only get but so much. You weren't seeing videos, and and you were barely getting mixes, mm-hmm. you know. But having to make the effort to get to the party or be in the scene really made a difference. And yeah. now you don't really. Yeah, have you had to go to the store and get the flyer, maybe, yeah. or you know, yeah. go out, yeah. go to the record stores, and that was all fun. Yeah, yeah, go yeah. down South Street. You know, I, I I miss that side of it. Like I miss being excited to go out when I'm not working. Yeah. You know, I found myself not really wanting to hang out in a club or a bar when I'm not playing anymore, or unless someone I know, like, on a personal level is playing. Mm -hmm. But I also just feel like it's just not the same anymore. Yeah, well, I think some of that, too, is just being older. Like, it's not really your peer group anymore that's that's out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure, you know. Um I listen to a bunch of mixes. Like I want to hear what everybody's doing as well, and I just I don't. I still wind up gravitating towards these old mixes. Yeah, that I'll find that I'm like, yo, these old mixes are still just way doper than some of the new shit that I hear. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe just the way that people played played records. Like I found this old kid kid Capri mix from mm. like '89 that was just really impressive. Yeah, 
that I had to listen to three, four times over, like when he was in his prime. Right. And his mic work was in, was incredible, and just the way he was playing the records was dope. And I just feel like we lost a lot of that too. Well, the, you know? the lack of technology created cool things. Yeah. Like I always remember playing like the instrumental first and yeah. then cutting yeah. in the song. Uh-huh. Now you just have the four bar edit or what if yeah. you do that or you yeah. slam it in yeah. or something. But that was like mixtape style. But I would do that in the club too, yeah. like rock yeah. the mic. I, it's, for some reason, I always remember the and you know what I mean? That was, that was a style that you were limited to, but it made you do more, yeah. you know? So you were yeah. actually doing more when you were DJing. Yeah. Now I'll just fucking cue point the shit out of that thing. You know? I mean, <laughs> even, even with the cue points and all that shit, like I still use Serato the way I did when it first came out. And yeah. I use it mainly just to cue, like just to pull the records up. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the shit I'm going to do, I'm going to do on the turntables and the mixer the yeah, way I did yeah. before. You know I don't I mean? really... People always are like, oh, you got your... Waves vertical. Why do you do? I was like, because I, I don't really pay attention to the waves. Oh, you have them go up and down. Yeah, I guess whatever's the I, whatever's the weird one, I do it. I don't the know. Weird I way. have mine vertical, but I know Jay Ski has his horizontal, like side to side, because that's how Final Scratch was. And I, it I don't even notice. Like I don't yeah. like, and I'm just I I don't I won't even pay attention that's to so the funny. waves. You know what yeah. I mean? like, when you're not paying I attention, I'm gonna I'm gonna change yours to diagonal yeah, and see if you notice. Throw me off, switch. Oh, you were noticing. See how you'll do with them diagonal waves, buddy. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, I, I guess it's pretty limited. Uh, I definitely don't use like the S9 to its full capacity. Oh, no, no. You know? I just, I don't, I mean, me personally, I just, I feel like with the computer being present and having a lot more buttons to push, it looks less impressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're doing some amazing yeah. fucking keypad work or whatever, right. you know what I mean? But for the, that's not my style of playing. Like, my extra cherry on top shit is cutting and scratching and working the turntables. Mm-hmm. So I even try to keep the computer off to the side because yeah. I don't want anyone, like, staring at me. I still I do that. I definitely know? am bad with that sometimes. But sometimes you don't have a choice. Yeah, there well, is you'll no look, but it. to me, like, because I kind of have, like, this awkwardness about me. When I, when I, <laughs> when I, um, like, you know how, like, if you drop a record and it flops, like, back in the day, you'd go yeah. look in yeah, your you crate and bend it down. <laughs> and and be like, yeah. I'm busy back so, there. Right. I'll get to you. <laughs> and, well, and like, now, like, now I'm just, like, pretending, like, something really intense is going on in the screen. We're like, oh. How the hell did this well, song get like, <laughs> Who the fuck played this? <laughs> Not me. Let me find something real quick to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I miss the, uh, the distraction of... The yeah. bending over in crates. So I use the screen as that. Or anytime I just generally feel uncomfortable, <laughs> I'll just look at the screens. But like uh Yeah, I try I try to just keep the thing off to the side and not use it, not let people focus on it. You know, yeah. I, mean? yeah. I, I go too- right generally anyway. Yeah. I got tendonitis in my elbow from going right. Really? I think it's either that or this, but I it's not bad no, today, but it, it flares old, up man. at times. Yeah, DJ injuries. Yeah, as, 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 workman's as, comp. As as you approach those ages, you that's that's what I mean. Age. We're learning all this new stuff. Yeah. Like I yeah. have bulging discs in my neck, which aren't a hundred percent from DJing, but the posture yeah. and shit. Oh, doesn't my posture's help. terrible. Yeah. 
So, like, we're all learning stuff yeah. about getting older as DJs. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy to think, like, we would carry all these records around and we weren't, like, in the best of shape. You yeah. Know? Like, we would all just, like, carry <laughs> these crates of records around, which are heavy. Right. But then we'd go hit the diner after and eat, That's like, what a I bunch always of say, yeah. Like, so you never really got the benefit of, right. you know, lifting all this yeah. shit. You knew you were successful if you had that gut that we all had right. from the eating, DJ. like, chicken fingers yeah. at 3 in the morning. I always said that. Yeah, like, DJ body. It yeah. comes from, like, eating at the diner at 4 a.m., going oh. right to sleep yeah. afterwards, waking up not eating yeah, yeah. for, like, another six yeah. hours. I just realized, like, when people talk about, like, their profession or their jobs and how it used to be compared to how it is now, like... There's no more like of a contrast in how it used to be as a DJ and how it is now. Like yeah. it's really like the the walking uphill both ways, you know, barefoot in the snow story. Right, like, right, right. Like like no other. It's just like yeah, we used yeah, to carry I mean, around crates of records. Yeah. And See, I, I always get that story because I think I came right when Serato first came out. Uh-huh. And that was really when I was like actually learned how to DJ. Like I had a couple records, yeah. and we used to make mix CDs like. We had like the CD, the big joint that you used to see at the weddings, yeah, right, right. big ass joint, and that was the first one we had. But now, like even explaining that, like the first gigs that I had were more like in the suburbs, and they were kind of like those were the gigs that I was getting paid well at. So to do like the gigs I wanted to do, it was like I had to bring the whole PA system mm, from yeah. like a third floor walk up, right. But I still had Serato, so I didn't have to bring all the crates. Right, right, right. And the other thing, too, is the money spent, man. Yeah. Like, I, I've been going through my records, and I think I talked about it on here. I found, like, a little flip game over 12-inch with a seven ninety nine sticker on it. Like, yeah. like, I needed to have that for the weekend, yeah. which I I don't even, it's not even in my laptop anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But I paid seven ninety nine for it at yeah. some point. Yeah, it was probably t- a at times you had to buy doubles. Right. Though, so that was 20 bucks. And that's when you're like, okay, so maybe. How did I pay my rent? Yeah, maybe <laughs> DJing money hasn't gone up much, but the overhead has gone oh, yeah. way down, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you had to invest in your business mm-hmm. more than you did. Now you just got to pay for sponsored posts. But like, mm-hmm. you know, prior to that, you had to buy a bunch of records. You had to go to the record store. You had to be in a record pool. And you didn't have to really worry about anything else. Yeah. I love having all my vinyl, but by no means do I need to go back to lugging vinyl around. Like, <laughs> I have a computer in a tote bag yeah. with some needles and some records and a flash drive if oh, they have CDJs. And I can move around the world like yeah. that, and it's it's great. I, I spend a lot more time organizing music yeah. than I did. You know? But you even did that then too. Like I did a vinyl uh, day thing yeah, at yeah. the photo club a few weeks ago. Joe was with me. I was had, there. Had to help me carry yeah. the big bag. And then it, even just like the when you're done with it, having to put it, which I never was good at anyway. You just I would just like all stack up black wax. You weren't particularly good at it that day either. No. I watched it. <laughs> yeah. How about when the one record started skipping and there's no internal it, mode to go in? No, and I was so, I took it and flung it across the room because I was like, this yeah. is the most helpless feeling Think I've experienced. Think of how entertaining DJing. it was for people to watch you take yeah, this record. Like, except for I'm that done with this one. poor guy that got hit in the neck with the record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sliced yeah. it open, but it was it, it was fun because yeah, yeah. you know it's a, it's not something I want to do three times a week. No, four like times a week. we would play vinyl nights and we'd each take a crate. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of having a limited amount of music to play. Yeah. You know, at this point, 
I when when Serato came out, I already had a pretty good collection I put into the computer. But I had a different mentality of like I want everything. Yeah. I want you to ask for everything. Like anything yeah. you can think of, I want to have it. So I right. built this collection of music that no one ever did. You know, they yeah. either ask for something they know you don't have or mm-hmm. something they know you're gonna play. Yeah. So then I had to cut this all back down to just, you know, like a solid collection of music, which I still have twenty five thousand songs in my computer, which yeah. is a lot, but it covers Yeah, we all went a little crazy when yeah. we first had that option. We all I, had like yeah. an external drive full uh-huh. of all the music, right? <laughs> and a lot of people one more, would just be one like, day. a lot of people trying to swap with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. But it, it, you know, having the the collection of music, at sometimes there's so many options where it's like you'd show up with a crate or whatever your bag was, and you're like, "This is what I got to work with today. I got to figure this puzzle out." Yeah, you know? and I think stylistically, that is why we can still maybe stand out because yeah. Yeah. It, you train your brain to maximize songs when yeah. you only have so much. Like you're not yeah. just going to throw on a banger without setting it up, right. without having another record to follow it right. up right. and doing it at the appropriate time because you can't bust your nut too early. Yeah. And I think approaching DJing with that mentality, even though we, we're not limited to that degree anymore, it's it's – it's different. Yeah. Like, I, th- I feel like a lot of younger DJs might just run through shit. They might go through shit too early. Oh, for sure. And I mean, it it's because they years. don't have to, like, they never had to ration yeah. bangers. They have all years, the bangers. Man. You know? And I mean, still, you know, if I go back 10 years at a time, I'm way different now than I was 10 years ago versus 10 years prior to that. You're constantly learning and getting better and uh, discovering new music and ways of playing music. So, if you just get started or even if you're only 10 years in the game, you still have so much more to learn. Mm-hmm. And that's not something you can learn by listening to mixes or um, being in your room. Like you yeah. have to be in the party mm-hmm. to see how people react to music and how you set up records to play. Yeah. That's what you I know? said. Like no yeah. one taught me how to technically DJ, but yeah. everyone taught me yeah. how to play a party. Yeah, you know sure. what I mean? For Every sure. DJ I ever saw, yeah. I learned either what yeah. to do or what not yeah. to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's Definitely. the only way you really learn the, ha- yeah. the on the job training yeah. is when yeah. you do that. You can yeah. technically n- teach yourself, you know, yeah. but I mean, some of the best, uh, like scratch D- DJs I've ever seen can't oh, play yeah. a thirty yeah, minutes live. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they just don't know how to play records well. Mm-hmm. You know, or and they're just not culturally in touch with people. It's it's just hard to know organizing like reading people hours know? of music over the course of a night and distributing it like evenly the way it needs to you know come mm-hmm. out to to have the perfect or the proper ebb and flow right. is not. It's not for everybody, right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, for it's sure. one of the great like art. I I love that. I love yeah. watching the dance floor form. Yeah, that early, that heavy warm yeah, up yeah, when yeah. it's getting like that's a great set. You know, it's funny because there's been a bunch of talk about like playlists or apps or computer systems that are going to replace the human. Yeah, deep, and I don't think it's ever really going to be a thing. Yeah, you know, I don't think there's ever going to be a way for a computer to make the spare of the moment decision yeah that you or you or you can make yeah when you see a dance floor going a certain way right you or know what a I mean? certain like group of people walk in yeah. and you're like okay i'm gonna go with this play right now there is like if there was advancements on like facial recognition reading expressions if you could if if you could yeah. develop technology to read like, that uh, all at the whoa. same time 
and then make the snap decision the minute you see someone's face drop and they're like, oh, this record isn't working. But what's think their, about what's that their, too, what's right? their makeup? You know what I mean? Like, is but it you, a female? Is it old? Black, white? You know what I mean? And then, and it's like, boom. But at that point, the it's algorithm not, hits. It's not about the one person. It's yeah. A, it's about the percentage of people. Right. Because right. so if, if one person's in a corner no. not having a good yeah, time, it's em. like, we're not playing for you only. You're but just you going to have to sit there. That's what you need to have the cameras can read every face. I have assessed the room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck them. And it's got to be to play what I want. Yeah. <laughs> You're getting the, these raucous the, records. And, the, and we learn from the machines. <laughs> the machines snap out. It snaps into overload and exactly. starts playing what it wants. Everyone's pissed. Yeah. And that's how music changes forever. <laughs> I am going to play Talib Kweli. Get by. This is probably one of the hardest cities to play. I believe it. And yeah. if you were raised here, then every other place you're going to go to is a fucking breeze, man. Right. Interesting. You know? Yeah. Straight. Straight up. Yeah. People come here, and it's 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 like a fucking Rubik's cube. They don't know how to play for people. That's like, know? and even back in the day, like, um, I would always feel bad because I could never like let people just hop on and trade gigs with them because I was like. People here, like, they like oh, where their man. friends are, de- yeah. that their friends the DJ. Yeah. You know, like, you get passes for yeah. different reasons, and it's not because of that what That was you're the beautiful thing I always loved about Philly is we really were not big into bringing in outside artists. Right. Because we didn't need it. Yeah. We had a bunch of great talent here. We don't need to bring so-and-so in as the guest. Right. You're like, you're just... Yeah, I've had experience where I was like, I, I would love I mean, to have this guy come, but I would just be taking money out yeah. of someone's pockets, right. like mine or my partner's, right. Right. because... It's not going to increase the the right. door, you know. Right, right, right. Which which is and people awesome. are just going to bug me and ask when I'm getting back exactly. on the whole time, you know. Exactly. <laughs> which yeah. everyone does that. To. I know everyone does that to all their friends. I'm not saying I'm special, but no. But it's 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 a thing where that's what the connection is. The connection is you. you yeah. Know? And that's what makes Philly so special still. Because like once I moved away the incentive to have me come back to play was that I was originally from here. Yeah. You know, and that there was people that would maybe come out when I come to play. Totally. Yeah. You know, and it helps that I can play, but outside of that, it's, it's the connection that makes this city special. Cause there's so many other people that don't ever play Philly. Yeah. There is no reason to bring them here. You yeah. Know? Even when we were at a low point, the parties that we did have were still, amazing parties yeah whether it was dave you know dave peace mm-hmm. thing or silk city or fucking matt's party yeah or yeah yeah like, they're, they're the know, they're the yeah. dudes still carrying it on like lean with it and uh yeah matt and them guys but you know those those guys girls and i mean everyone i can think of from philly are still in my top of the djs i've ever heard play Right. That's cool to hear, man. I don't really hear like, but when I was on the road podcast, they were like, what is it about Philly? I was like, I think we all just learn from each other, you know? Like it I was. I think the thing here. There was like, a standard. The bar was always high. Yeah, right. You know? And that's how you just, you learn from that yeah, high bar. Yeah, and, it, yeah. and there was no one ever like, fortunately, no one ever like got worse. <laughs> I feel like there was no. like, like a lot of older DJs. I don't know. No, I don't, again, I'm not going to. Right. I don't want to put anybody under the bus yeah but there's definitely cats that there was a time that they were in their prime yeah and then i don't know what happened like i guess maybe you get older you lose touch right the connection with the culture is just different yeah and then you're not as dope as you once 
were. Yeah, you just rest on your, your laurels. Of it's a re- it it's becomes a responsibility, like anything, for you to stay at the top of your game. You know, and when mm-hmm. you look at some of the people that come from that generation that was before us, yeah, that are still great at what they do, it's because they work at it. Right. You know what I mean? And and yes, there is going to come a time where you're so far away from maybe what the 23-year-old is into. Right. To be authentically interested in this. But that's thing. cool. Yeah. Like yeah. then you just got to find a lane that works, you know, with what you want to do and where you actually stand out at, you know what I mean? Yeah, and the good thing is is there's always that period where you it benefits you to be a little older because that's like that is maybe the the demographic that's coming out and spending money. You know, the the trick with this business with this culture is that at this point the new young talent is what a lot of people want that's what they're excited by Mm -hmm. but you can never be that great that young yeah like you really don't get close to your prime until you're already almost 40 yeah it's almost impossible it's almost impossible like you trade different things i feel like you might like it takes a lifetime of experience to get to the point where you're like you have your shit mastered your ten thousand hours but the the value of the youth is like not giving a fuck kind of and where you where you try some shit that might like you know older you would be like i'm not trying right but like when you're young like i don't give a fuck and even if 80% of that stuff sucks, like the 20% that yeah. you might keep with you forever and yeah. it might define who you are. I mean, you know, that's... So that's, it all balances out. It's yep, like a... It's yep. like a... Uh, there's benefits to both. Also, being young, you're the regular yeah. party age and your friends are more I'm likely to I'm just curious to see, like, what that generation grows into and what they, what they grab onto as they get older. Yeah. Right? Like, I want to see... Because at one point you almost feel like a lot of the older music is just dying away because you're not playing it in the party anymore. And mm-hmm. what we considered a throwback is fucking Ancient. archaic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where like back that ass up is probably the oldest record that they I, I, I think right? I said I was like, what's the oldest record you play that's still relevant? And I think that's it, right? But there I, comes a point where that generation is going to grow out of whatever they're listening to now and they have to find other shit just like we did you right. know what i mean and even still as i continue to grow older i find other music that maybe i didn't have an appreciation for at a certain point in my yeah life that yeah. i'm like oh this is dope i can work like i hated 80s rap music okay like that like early 80s right. hey baby boy. yeah like, yeah 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 i was like this shit is yeah, corny yeah, yeah like, it is right. and as i got older i was like i really appreciated what they were doing with what they had to work with uh-huh. and then i found the dope in that music but it took me a long time to get to that point yeah you know? So I love seeing what throwbacks become popular and which ones like we used to play and yeah. we're like sure shots and now no one gives a shit about yeah. them. You're yeah. like, what the? Yeah. You don't want to hear it? Like all that net, like up some of its things, but a lot of that Neptune shit that we used to just like play for an hour, yeah. like there's yeah. maybe like five songs that you yeah. can still play from yeah. that. It's funny, man. There's so much music now. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's an insane. Like, I wonder I'm if there, there was like one night where Nori nothing just stopped working. <laughs> just, just became a total dud. Yeah. <laughs> just, 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 I see. Yeah, that, was flipped. that's the thing, too. Then there's songs I've naturally phased out because I just don't want to be stuck still playing them. Like, and there's, 
maybe like Nori Nothing. Yeah. Like I used to play that all the time. I don't really play it anymore. Yeah, I don't, I don't play it that often. But I play Missy One Two Step like it's a fucking. I feel like you give certain Sierra, records a break and then you work those records back in yeah. and then they feel fresh again. No, like, but I don't they play hit the way be, like a Michael faithful, Jackson like, song would yeah. hit yeah. for us. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like you think like a song like One Two Step is yeah. 13 years old the same way that Bill, Billy yeah. Jean was yeah. 13 years old in yeah. the yeah. late 90s. So it hits the same way. It's like the throwback classic. It's not hip hop though, you know? Like when I play Vegas, a lot of those records are the records that really work. Yeah. You know, because those are the most familiar records. And it's also like, it's hard to say what everyone else is playing because everyone else has a different style. I feel like a lot of the younger generation and some of the West Coast, they grew up playing differently than we did. Mm -hmm. Like me specifically, AAM really wasn't relevant to me Mm -hmm. uh, until later on. Right. Because wait, I, people I, older than us know him as a Philly guy, but we were like, too young I don't, for that. I don't, yeah. you know, if it wasn't for Cos, right. Cosmo saying he hung out with him, I never saw him anywhere right. in Philly, right? And I was at Fluid, I was all over the place. Oh, Either no, I he was, he had moved by then, right? I, I, I don't think know. he had moved way by then, yeah. So, you know, I mean, I, I have no relationship to him, I think I've only met him twice, right? And as far as the mashup thing goes, like. We were already kind of playing, like I saw Ian and Steve and like yeah, all these yeah, guys yeah. kind of like playing in Rome's, like uh-huh. playing around all these records before I even heard of what he was doing out there on the West Coast. Yeah. But a lot of those West Coast guys got everything they got from listening to him play. Right. Whereas right, like we right. were more influenced by the local cats we had here. Yeah. And then maybe indirectly somewhere along the line, his style kind of trickled down. But well, you he can was hear being, being from here, that was kind of, I think that's why that was part of his style too, right? I don't know. Because nah. I hear, yeah, I hear I a difference. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to say because... I know, like, for what I associate Philly style with, uh-huh. I associate it with Jay Ski, uh, like, maybe Ran. Yeah, like those, Ran was a big those, influence on me. <laughs> those yeah. cats, you know what I, I mean? Rem- speaking of Ran, it, it might have been Cosmic Cat, but I think it was Ran. He would, like, one of the first scratching things that I thought that falls into this territory was he would cut up the uh, Tears for Fears, the I'm talking to you, come on. And he would cut that up on the radio, like, over a beat, and I would be like, that's that's awesome. (laughs) Well, Kev Kev used to scratch, like, a lot. I don't know know what happened, but, you know, that's another discussion. But I feel like that's radio is just like, we don't need that. I remember having a volume like two or three uh-huh. of a cosmic Kev mixtape. Oh yeah. And he used to have this one click flare thing that he used to do mm-hmm. where he would hold this cut for like a really long time. Yeah. And uh I always wanted to hear him scratch again, but like I never every yeah. time I hear uh, him. But it's that's like, the thing that's kinda yeah. what I was like the if they're taking their cue from other stations like that and you have like Funkmaster Flex who kind of is notorious for really not mixing for or being doing terrible. <laughs> I mean, I guess, but like if you if you have a style, uh-huh. do you just abandon your whole style? I don't know, man. I know I had a mixtape of his uh at Daytona 500 was the first track yeah. on it. So it's cuz I mean, I know him, but I haven't seen him in a long time and I wrote him once like is there any possible way I can get one of these old mixtapes? Like, I would mm-hmm. love to just hear what he was doing. Yeah. You know? 
because I remember it when I was younger and I thought it was so yeah, dope. man. Radioactive, him, Colby Cole, put it DJ on his, Ran. Put it on a SoundCloud, right? That's, you know what? When it comes down to it, that's how I learned how to DJ. Yeah. Like, I can, like, Same. obviously, like, Cash Money and Jazzy Jeff yeah. were yeah. there, but they didn't have oh, the no, direct... They, they really weren't, like, relevant locally. They were already doing their thing, and they right. weren't on the radio. And it, and and it yeah. was, like, a show when yeah. they would come around. Yeah. But, it, like, yeah, that's who I learned and tried all, to like, imitate. The radio guys. Yeah, yeah, I used to record off the radio. Mm-hmm. But all that being said, circling back around, is that like the AM style of playing, whether it has aspects of Philly or not, I feel like there's a difference when I hear that generation play. Mm-hmm. I don't, I can't really put it into words, but it's different than what I'm used to listening to okay. when it comes to Philly. Yeah. When I think of how Philly cats play. Mm-hmm. Um, with all that, I think that's what makes that Philly sound a little bit special. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you come to a different part of the world or, or, you know, you go to the West Coast to play, there's a difference that they hear. The way you choose records, the way you bring those records in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, like, just everything that we do is a little bit different. Yeah. Not saying that there's not a, a, a dope side to what everyone does. Right. But our unique style is, is yeah. just that. Yeah. yeah. But the radio here definitely helped, you yeah. know, raise a generation right. of. D- DJs. I mean, I listen to J J Ski. He oh, changes, I guess. Yeah, right. man. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yo, anything else you want to hit, or we we want to wrap it up? Know. I think if if you guys covered all the bases, I yeah, think we man, did that it. was good. Yeah, you good. Thanks for coming. Oh yeah, yo, man, we never did an official intro. Hit the song. I I want to play this song because this is the song I remember you playing at Silk City. Oh no, this was the era. I hope it's good. Oh, it's great. <laughs> Oh my god, dude. Let me tell you, uh, this is still around the time that we were doing the underground radio show in Philly. Okay. And uh, Slum Village was just, it was probably one of the last groups besides Little Brother. That right. Was like, Little Brother even yeah. was after. Yeah. yeah. But the, the Little Brother thing was like, they were just like Slum. Right. I couldn't believe how dope this was. Yeah. And even still, like... Frank and Dank. <laughs> but this this was the era, right? I'm literally, I, I have, I'm like, I'm getting chills listening nice. to this. this is how dope this is. <laughs> yeah. Good, I'm glad I had that memory. Yeah, dude. I this love that you remember that shit. Uh, but well, yeah. this was a good record that you could keep it real with, but this knocked. And, like, it's even so if people didn't know it, you were like, yo, this is, what is this? This is the shit. You know? Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the backpacker in me will tell you. That I will take this over any trap record any day of the week. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But as much I as I appreciate the trap records, like yeah. there's just. But what I love about this though is like lyrically, there's nothing backpack about it. Like they're just no, talking I mean, shit. That was the significance about Dilla, right? Mm-hmm. Is that prior, all these boys were like? Well, like prior shit. to him, there was a huge, huge wall between keeping it real yeah. and getting money. Yeah. And being flashy. Right. Right? So you weren't allowed to be that person. You weren't allowed to have a fancy watch or gold chain or everything that the Jiggy era brought in is everything they were against. And then Dilla started rapping about, I'm underground, but I want to do all this other shit. I want to drive a Range Range Rover. And 
that's where it was like, yo, this is, uh, that's how I feel. Like, yeah. I like this shit, but I want all the flash yeah, shit, like, too. Like, going to the clubs with girls in them. <laughs> that's what the basis of, like, that's what all early rap music was. Yeah. You had a car, you had rims, you had sure. a gold chain, you had jewelry, you had girls, like, Busy B. Yeah. yeah. Somehow we got away from that, and it was like, some people took into it, and they were like, yeah, fuck all that. But then some people were still like, low key. Yeah. I still want rims on my sure, car. Man. You know what we're, I mean? We're so, humans with. Yeah. Uh, human design. Hell yeah, man. So let's end it on that awesome note. Indeed. Thanks, man. Yo, thank you for having me, man. Yeah, it was man. awesome. Thanks for coming yeah. through. Come back yeah. anytime. Indeed. Word. Ard. 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 Pause. What if I just beatbox for an hour?